He's big. He's hairy. And he can't find shoes to fit. No, we're not talking about Jason Bollinger. Ah. It's Bigfoot Movies on Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Hey everybody, and welcome <laughs> to another episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. It is I, your host with the most, Insane Mike. And this episode we're talking about Bigfoot and um, movies with him in it. So, without any further ado, it's time to introduce you to the crew of Cryptozoology Oddities. <laughs> Oh, wow, I actually said that correctly. Oh, <laughs> what oddities? <laughs> you didn't see how he spelled it, though. <laughs> Bigfoot is not the only one who loves Slim Jims. Sam Hayes, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I fucking love those things. See, I knew it. They do give you a lot of zits, though. That sucks. You're not supposed to rub them on your face. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, right. He said he was talking about his face. Oh. <laughs> oh. Hello. <laughs> Moving on. Um, there have been many sightings in the woods. People experiencing weird odors and piles of scat three miles long. <laughs> Turns out it was just John Stalter, everybody. Hi, everybody. Piles I'm, of scat. I'm, I'm working on that. I'm, I'm trying to aim for the bathroom. Aww. Well, if you'd stop scooting on your hindquarters as you do it, the three miles long thing would at least not be a problem anymore. But it feels so good. <laughs> it's the only way I can get off. Anyway. He's Maybe. got worms. <laughs> <laughs> you know what they say about a man's feet. He also has big toenails. Jason Bollinger. True. So true. What's up, everybody? Next up, she's personally responsible for keeping the species alive. Terry Turfer! <laughs> oh, dear God. He knows more about Bigfoot porn, the big the Bigfoot porn subgenre, than most people know about Marvel movies. Brian Clark! <laughs> that is sadly close to the truth. Hello, everyone. Oh, that's, that's not sadly close. That is dead on. I've seen the collection. Bravo. <laughs> it's a streak of Sex squad. miles long. <laughs> anyway. And now, without any further ado, our resident Bigfoot expert and the author of the book, Bigfoot, Your Hair Tickles My Nose, Justin Beam, everybody. Oh, man, and that is the title, too. <laughs> Hi. 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 We got a big old crew tonight. This is awesome. Yeah. All right. Yep. A lot of foots. <laughs> we tried to get Flyboy on too, but he couldn't Aww. jump on, unfortunately. No, I was hoping he was going to be here. <laughs> Having Flyboy on is much like a Bigfoot sighting. <laughs> Very often. <laughs> and yeah, you're not he... even quite sure you, what you actually saw. A blurry son of a bitch. <laughs> yep. He is the absolute authority, though. I mean, and you know what's great yeah. about that? He and I, anywhere... That we find a toy or like a stuffed animal 
or a pile of pubes, we point to it, take a picture of it, and then send it to each other like little girls, like exchanging Justin Bieber concert pics. We're like, ah, it's a Bigfoot toy. Toys R Us. And he's like, how much? And I'm like, too much for me, but you're rich, so go get it. And then he goes and gets it. And he poses them really cool and sends me pictures. So we, that's kind of what Fibo and I have become. It's evolved from just a romantic relationship into this. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, well, well, first we get it, before we get into um, tonight's topic, we should probably cover a little bit of killer news. Now it's time for killer news. Straight from the headlines on attack on the killer podcast. So yeah, we got some interesting killer news that I read just today. The Weinstein Company has lost the rights to make the next Halloween movie. So Trancus Films found a new home at Blumhouse. Jason Blum and <clears throat> Malik Akkad are producing and dot 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 <coughs> I wrote dot 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 down on my page. <laughs> John Carpenter, executive producing. What do we think of that, boys and girls? Boys and girl. Now, one point of clarification that the Weinsteins are not out of the picture because Miramax is still involved, and that's a Weinstein company. I did see that. Well, is it, though? I thought all those years ago, the split and why there's the Weinstein company is because Weinstein split from Miramax. I thought that it became different divisions... I may be mistaken in that, but I thought it was different divisions within the company that had a different focus on types of film. So Dimension became a genre branch. Miramax mm-hmm. became more of the big budget action type stuff. And the uh, Weinstein, <laughs> Weinstein became a lot of the sort of higher brow kind of things. That's what I thought happened, but I might be okay. wrong. Well, <clears throat> whatever the case, you are right about the fact that Miramax is... Um, Involved in the production, yeah. So, yeah. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's cool, sure. What does that mean? <laughs> like, the internet's freaking out, but what does it mean? We're, no. we're just, just going to have to wait and see. Is it like all executive... Well, no, I don't mean it like that. Just, you know, when Wes Craven presents this, what did he really do? Really? You know, what does it mean? Put his name on it. Right. The article I read had a quote from John mm-hmm. saying that like, his goal is to make it the scariest Halloween movie of the franchise or something along those lines. Um, and there's also rumors that John Carpenter is in negotiations to score the film as well. That'd be cool. Yeah. yeah. So, if any of that is true... Yeah, hubbub. um, (laughs) It sounds like it'd be a little bit more involvement than just so-and-so presents. See, I was really excited at first, and then I remembered he also was executive producer on the Fog remake, and I (laughs) kind of stopped being excited. Uh, Uh, Whatever whatever Carpenter's involvement is, is one thing. For me, the biggest news is... It's uh, Halloween. Yeah, Blum, um, Blumhouse is being involved. Oh yeah, because to me that makes it feel like it's actually going to happen, and they make good movies, and mm-hmm. it'll be done 
well with a modest budget and have so it'll make money. That's my take on it. That's the part I'm excited about. Yeah, I think it's a good thing, and I think you're exactly right. That's probably the most exciting aspect is that it's going to happen because they have started and stopped about five times <laughs> since 2009, and they and they every yeah. time they announce it, and then it becomes the, the messiest sort of retraction of statements from all the parties that are involved. So I think it's great that they're agreeing on anything, let alone a, a direction this specific with who's involved. And John, I, I mean, in terms of the fog, I think that that executive producer is probably because of just it's his property technically. It's something yeah. that he created. And anything Halloween he's technically associated with and, and getting fed off of it. But <laughs> the things that he has been involved with, think about Halloween too. He didn't direct Halloween too. True. He was, a, he was a producer on it, but he shot yeah. about you know twenty percent of the movie. Yeah. So, and he was over the. I mean, so it still looks like a Carpenter picture. I'll say that it's like Spielberg. I've always thought of him like Spielberg. <clears throat> when he's involved with something, it tends to have his look. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited for that. I think that's. I think I mean I'm just glad it's moving forward at all. And the guys that they're talking about to direct it that they're discussing allegedly are all pretty interesting choices yeah, as well but, like the guy but, who made hush and all yeah that's the only oh, one nice. i've seen so far that has been mentioned, but i i liked hush a lot mm-hmm. so it'd be kind of interesting to see what he can do cool yeah i didn't see any any um mentions of any possible directors <clears throat> the only thing i got out of the article i read is that they're they're targeting 2017 as 2017 Halloween as the release. That makes sense. It doesn't sound like a whole... Yeah, but it doesn't sound like a whole lot of time, honestly. If they are just now announcing that, hey, it's going to happen. Well, if it's next next summer, like late next summer, that gives them plenty of time to put it together. Yeah. Well, you know, and again, Blumhouse and Paul, they can churn stuff out pretty quickly and it still retains its quality. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so any anybody else want to chime in on the whole Halloween thing? I like movies. <laughs> right. I just want Buster Rhymes to be in it. I would I love for gonna... I would love for the un- oh, unveiling yeah. at the end. Maybe he gets unmasked at the, at the last scene, and it's That's Buster Rhymes under the mask. Oh my god! And he, and he like he karate kicks the camera off the fucking tripod. It lands on the ground. He crouches down, looking into the lens. It's like sideways, and then he says, he just whispers like this. He goes, "Trick or treat, motherfucker." <laughs> <laughs> Cut to like fade to black. The end. We That's could hope set could that hope. motherfucker up. Oh man! Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I would watch the hell out of that. <laughs> maybe maybe put him in space versus Jason. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're just making me want things I can't have. So no I know. I should stop. <laughs> there isn't a script yet, is what you're saying. Yeah. Well, there is now. He just wrote it. <laughs> That's all you need, Buster Rhymes. Truth. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, let's move on. Um, start talking about Bigfoot movies. Who wants to start us off? 
Talking about Bigfoot. I will. All right. Uh, I watched Willow Creek. Anyone else watch Willow Creek? Yep, I've seen it a couple times now. I Ooh. have it on DVD. Yeah, I watch it. Nice, nice. Yep. Tell us about it. Okay. Um, well, it's written and directed by Bobcat Goldthwait, which was like the main reason that I wanted to watch it in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, it's it's found footage style, uh, and you're following uh, this couple, um, Jim and Kelly. And Jim is a huge Bigfoot nerd, and he drags Kelly along with him to go to the the um, site of this, uh, where this footage was taken of Bigfoot years before, so they can kind of document it and see if they can find any big feet. Is that the plural? Big feet? (laughs) Bigfoots? Um, And they, so they just kind of trek out into the woods and shit happens. The end. Wow. Okay. I don't want to spoil, but all right. G- general premise. What'd you think of it? I really liked it. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought that um, at first I thought that it was a little bit of a slow burn, and I was like, "Oh, is this ever going to amount to anything?" Um, yeah. But it takes forever to get to the woods. It does, but once they're in the <clears throat> tent, like. There's just this really long scene, and it's just focused on them. Like, you don't ever even look outside the tent, like, just them listening to all of the sounds and things going on around them. Like, mm-hmm. I love that scene. I mean, it was really long. Like, I was getting creeped out, though. Like, it, I don't... Yeah. Just the anticipation of what was going on. I thought oh, they yeah. did a really good job. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was really good as well. I I I liked it. Uh, maybe not as much as you did because it is a bit of a slow burn, and it's unfair to call it Blair Witch, but with Bigfoot. <laughs> but it kind of is. It kind of is, and, yeah. Yeah. And, especially yeah. in the you know the third act. Yeah, yeah. especially yeah, especially in the third act. But if if Bigfoot standing in the corner, yeah. <laughs> a Bigfoot yeah. looking into the camera with a big snot bubble blowing yep. out of his yep. nose. Um, <laughs> but I I I, I want to compare it to Blair Witch in the fact that in the fact of the way it was made, it was like it was all based on a twelve-page outline that Bobcat did. So it's really improv and experimental mm. in the same vein that Blair Witch was. Uh, you know, unfortunately, it kind of ends up following a lot of the same beats and tropes that Blair Witch does. But do you, do you know how much was was improv versus like was it literally just an outline that they went out with and just shot? Pretty much. I mean, on? like there was there's some moments where Bobcat would feed them lines. What's interesting, I also watched this with audio commentary. What's interesting <laughs> is that like when they're driving. Bobcat is crouched down in the back back seat the whole time. And if you look closely in one of the shots where the camera is on the dashboard and it's a two-shot of them in the car driving, um, uh, 
you, at some certain points, you see Bobcat's pants reflected in the back window. What? Yeah. <clears throat> so, so yeah. So he was he was right there uh, the whole time for the thing, and there was like there were certain moments where they would get he would give them like you know like a line delivery on something or what have you. So, but other than that, it. It uh, it stayed pretty um, improvisational. Did so. he was he on the commentary? Oh yeah, it, it was <laughs> him and the and the couple. So. I just wanted to listen to a commentary with him because of his voice. Well, you know, <laughs> well first of all, you know he doesn't do the screaming. Well, voice no, but he still him. has kind of a a weaselly voice. Yeah, and I wonder too if that if if his like vocal cords are just literally ruined for years of having to. Uh, do the screaming voice very possible because <laughs> yeah it, it, it his his voice just sounds kind of like like worn out you know what i mean like like it's been you know, like his uh, voice has been through some distress over the years so. yeah I don't, I don't know i think he has a pretty normal voice now maybe that's just me well normal in comparison <laughs> to the way to he what used to talk. sure yeah yeah <laughs> Like what'd you what what'd you not to go on a tangent, but like why why did he do that voice first of all and what made him quit? Or like when did he quit doing that? I don't even well, know. Well here's the thing, I am I'm also a huge Bobcat fan. I've been a fan of his since like I was a fan of his as a comedian, I was a fan of his as a as an actor, and I'm a fan of his as now as a director. Um although I still haven't seen all of his films and I'm trying to get there, but like um, the majority of what I've seen so far, I, I love. Um, God bless America. If you guys have love seen that, that. Mm-hmm. oh, it's so good, so good. But I even go back to like his first movie he directed, and that kind of void of "Hey, where did Bobcat go?" kind of era of his career, <laughs> and he directed a movie called Shakes the Clown. Woo! Love it, love that movie. So it's good. awesome. But anyway, that's another thing. But I think his voice—he's—I uh, think he started that voice just as part of his stand-up shtick. <laughs> It all just, you know... And it kind of stuck. I, yeah, because he started getting movie parts, and I think they wanted him to keep doing that. Or he was just at that point of, that's his persona, so he had to stick with it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you think he just, like, he got tired of having a scratchy throat, and he's like, fuck this, I'm going to be normal now. <laughs> well, that's where I wonder, that's what I wonder, too. It was like, what was the defining moment of him... Stop doing the the screaming voice, and I wonder if it has anything to do with his like his career bottoming out. Like, yeah. you know, he stopped doing movies, he stopped doing stand up, and like around the time when Shakes the Clown came out, he appeared on Jay Leno, and um, basically got barred from ever doing Jay Leno again because he set fire to the couch. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I forgot about yeah. that. That was awesome. So after the couch setting on fire moment, he just like completely dropped off the face of the earth. <laughs> but now he's really established himself as as a director, and not just these independent films too. He's done a lot of TV work, and um, uh, God, I can't remember whose show he di- he directs now for a lot of late night talk shows. I can't remember which one though. But anyway, uh, so I wonder if maybe losing the uh, the screaming voice had to do with like having to leave that behind and kind of reinvent himself so that he can get past um, things like setting the couch on fire or whatever. So. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I, I didn't realize he uh, directed Shakes the Clown. 
the the only other movie I've seen that he directed was uh uh what was it World's Greatest Dad. See that's that one I still haven't seen yet. Yeah, it's I've really it it's really good. It's super super dark comedy. Yeah, yeah, different though. It's uh, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it seems like you know between this and uh, World's Greatest Dad, it seems like he's got a lot of range as a director, which is yeah for sure pretty interesting. But it's interesting because it still kind of has. I mean, at least from what I've experienced with his. Films so far, it still kind of has that Bobcat stamp on it, you know, kind of, you know, darker, dark humor, mm-hmm. you know, you almost feel dirty for laughing kind of thing. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, not taking things too seriously. And Willow Creek kind of falls into some of that as well, I think. So. I love the scene in the couples in the diner with the, with the Bigfoot burgers and the buns are shaped like feet and that and they're talking about <laughs> yeah what if these burgers are made of ground up bigfoot dick <laughs> <laughs> right i just want to know where they got those buns <laughs> yeah those are <laughs> makes like, make my own bigfoot burgers yeah i was looking at those there's like no way you could eat one of those burgers in one sitting unless you were like you know the <laughs> man bigfoot. versus food guy <laughs> Do they call those footlongs? Or? It, it basically looks <laughs> long. Yeah. <laughs> so Brian, it sounds like you saw Willow. You've seen Willow Creek as well. Yeah, I. I the topic for this show kind of gave me the impetus to finally see a couple of recent Bigfoot movies that I've been wanting to see, which is that and exists. And um, damn it, I wanted to watch Exists before this episode, and I. Haven't been able to find it, but anyway, sorry. Go was, ahead. They were both on the two for a dollar rack at the video store. It's like, oh, this is perfect. Oh, <laughs> um, what? Yeah, and uh, I watched Exists first, which I think was a mistake because, like you guys were talking about, Willow Creek is very much like the Blair Witch Project. It's it's you know, and I've got no problem with it being a slow burn in that. But Willow, or, uh, excuse me, Exists is directed by the guy who directed Blair Witch Project. So I expected that to be more like Blair Witch, and then there's a lot of Bigfoot action in it, and there's not much in Willow Creek. (laughs) So I had my expectations sort of flip-flopped and uh, watched the slower one second, so I was all hyped up after watching Bigfoot beat people up and then didn't get any of that in this one. But yeah, the the interactions between the couple, I mean, they were fantastic at ad-libbing their lines if that's what they were doing. And mm-hmm. and so much of it being improv, they had a really good chemistry together, and uh, I, I enjoyed watching their scenes. Just like honestly, I liked the part of them getting to the woods more than I liked the stuff once they were in the woods. Yeah, you know, I did too, and I read a lot of reviews before I went into it, and everyone was saying, "Yeah, the the first act's pretty slow. It's kind of hard to get into, but after they get through all that other stuff, it's pretty cool." But I I thought the reverse was true i thought the beginning stuff was kind of more interesting almost maybe just because i'm desensitized to the whole you know the whole found footage thing of ooh, what, what was that sound you know yeah yeah, well, I yeah mean, was, you know, there was, was enjoyable, a, but a lot of dark humor in the beginning which was fun but i don't i don't know i guess i just I was sucked into it more when we got past that. But I I still enjoyed all of the beginning stuff. 
But no, I, I do love the, uh, you know, I, I love anything real time, you know, whether it's drama or horror. I just love, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think there's like a, a take in this movie where it's something like 20 minutes long, supposedly. It's like a really long take. They don't cut it all. It's just them in the tent and they're mm-hmm. listening. Yeah. Like I, yeah, a- anything like that, that, just like a, a long real time take just, you know sucks me and that's that's always pretty engaging even if it is kind of uh uneventful yeah no that was yeah that shot that you're talking about that was my favorite moment in the whole movie for sure Hmm. and i I actually uh i first heard about this film from bob pat from bobcat he was on a joe rogan's podcast and he was talking about it and apparently like one of the takes like the dude in the movie he like started crying or something apparently <laughs> and they got done with the take and Bobcat's like yeah that was pretty good but uh I don't know if your character would cry maybe you could uh not cry on the next one it's like <laughs> I'm just so scared right now <laughs> like, <laughs> like he was actually freaked out <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> what you guys think of the ending without giving away too too much I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. Uh, I don't. I don't have a lot of feelings about it. I guess it felt a little anticlimactic. Like yeah, it felt like I, I deserved a little bit more. Yeah. yeah, it was very rushed and just over and done with. Very similarly to the Blair Witch, even though that one has a bit more of a payoff, I think. But I yeah. I think so too. I mean, yes, you never see the Blair Witch, you know, yeah. and and all that, but you know that shot of you know what's his of uh, what's his name standing, Mike standing in the corner, mm-hmm. is you know, and her running through the house and all that. It's, it, it's so much more of a payoff than what I feel like we got with Willow Creek. Yeah. So, I actually once the when the <laughs> credits started running, it was so abrupt. I went wait what the fuck just happened and I actually <laughs> spun it back about five minutes and watched yeah. it again because I thought I missed something. It's like nope, the movie just decided it was done. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay, it's like I'm I'm bored with this. Let's do something else. <laughs> Credits. <clears throat> yeah, it was very kind of abrupt and cliche. I mean, yeah. like, what was with the like fat naked lady standing there? That's what I don't get. Yeah, I wanted to know more about what was going on there. That yeah. was was, it, was so there random. some sort of did was she a, a victim? But didn't they talk about that and like when they were in town, like somebody was telling the story about some family in the woods. I'm trying to remember uh, now. Yeah, but she was like, I mean, she, that wasn't like a dead body, right? Like she was still alive. Am I yeah, making I that up? She, she seemed like standing well, there. She yeah, seemed she's like zombified. Up, right? Yeah. yeah. Which I imagine you'd be in sense. a bit of post-traumatic shock if Bigfoot had just uh, gone for a roll in the hay with you. That's kind of what I got. Either that, or you know, maybe there's a a Bigfoot cult out there, like a Night of the Demon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. See, and that's the thing. There's so many unanswered questions with the ending. Not that we need to have to have everything explained to us for a good ending, but. There should have been at least a little bit more, I think, right? Yeah. 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 
Yeah, too bad. I mean, it, again, it's like I think it's worth worth a watch, and I enjoy. I own it, so you know. But yeah, listening to uh, like I said, I I heard Bobcat on this podcast, and uh, apparently he's like a real Bigfoot believer. I guess. Yeah, he talked about that a lot in the uh, commentary as well. Uh, basically, the guy, the the male lead of the film is Bobcat. Yeah. <laughs> He's like a real Bigfoot nerd. Yep. <laughs> Which is cool. All right, so that's Willow Creek. Who else has got a Bigfoot movie they want to talk about? It seems like a natural to transition to exist since that was mentioned. Yeah, go for it. I still haven't had a chance to see it. And it's driving me crazy so you guys go ahead and talk i'll shut up on this one. Oh man well so the, the bigfoot i think subgenre has been kind of neglected i think it was really cool when bobcat announced his film and i haven't seen that one yet that's why i wasn't able to chime in on that but um to do something truly fresh like doesn't you know we'll talk about a short later that we saw but this that uh Mike, Jason, and I saw at a film festival a few years ago. But Exists is the first time uh, really ever that I've seen a Bigfoot film that's legitimately terrifying. I haven't seen one that's actually scary. A lot of times they, there might be moments. But I think mm-hmm. that um, that this one really gets it right. And one of the amazing things... So it's found footage, like you said. It's from the director of Blair Witch. And about these kids in this cabin dealing with with you know basically being assaulted by attacked or trapped in this it's like the, the same kind of pressure cooker that was <clears throat> excuse me employed in night of the living dead where it's not so much about the zombies it's about what you can't do anymore like it's a you've lost your freedom you're you're a victim of things that that outnumber you and that have a complete awareness of where they are where you're just trapped in this box and that's what this is too i love the creature design in this, I think, is the best of any Bigfoot film I've ever seen. And I think the reason mm-hmm. why is because it's it's, it's very human. Like, um, Brian, I don't know if you'd agree with that, that, that there's a more human look to this and that it adds a level of emotion. And especially at the end of the film, the very, yeah. the very, the, I mean, the climax when, when it's like over the shoulder and that is such a bit builds to this intense moment and it's it, the the least obvious thing happens there, and it's wonderful. So, anyway, yeah. it's it's really really well handled, well shot. It's intense. It doesn't get boring. I never was bored throughout the whole thing. And when you're finally starting to see the creature, it's it's a huge payoff, and it's almost heartbreaking to see this thing and realize what it's going through and what it's gone through and why it's doing what it's doing. It just it's almost like I would compare it to Orca. It's a similar okay. thing. So it would like Orca with the Blair Witch Project mixed with Eagle Walk, which we'll talk about later, that short film. Yeah, I, I, you're definitely right on that. It was, And that was actually when they first, you got a good look at the thing's face, I was a little, oh, it's a, it's, it's a little too human almost. Mm. But then at mm. that, in the end there, when you, that shot you were talking about where oh, that yeah. over the shoulder thing, when it's yeah. looking into the camera, 
that was like, oh, I know why they did that now, why they made that choice to not build up the facial prosthetic so much, to not make it look like a monster, to let you know this thing isn't, I mean, it's an animal, but it's closer to a human than, than a lot of Bigfoot movies give Bigfoot credit for. And yeah, it definitely adds to the power of that. But at the same time, that thing is goddamn terrifying when they, when the one guy finds the (laughs) the, uh, fireworks and yeah. he's, he was trying to use them like a signal flare to tell people, hey, we're out here in the woods. And yeah. it comes barreling through that cloud of smoke. <laughs> I fucking about jumped out of my chair. That was awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very well done. I think it, it's th- that, and it's no surprise that I would say that it's next to, with Blair Witch is my favorite, I guess you could say, found footage kind of a film. So I'm not particularly fond of that approach, but the way it's used here I think is perfect. I can't imagine it being done any other way. And it, it really adds to the tension of the whole thing. And it's so quiet. Did you notice that, too? It's a quiet movie. Yeah. You know, it's almost completely void of score. And so it just leaves you in that moment with these people. And that. And I, I think that that is part of what made Blair Witch so effective, is that it's not a, pro, it's not a production. It's, a real, it's almost like a real-time kind of a thing where you're, you're forced to exist in a space with these people. And that's an unforgiving place to go. That's a very bold att- thing for a filmmaker to say, you're not just going to watch, you're going to sit in it. And I think that the, their approach with the score, the handheld stuff, and the way that they let these scenes play out, it's not fast cuts, it's long. And so there's tension that just builds, and that's all within the viewer. I think it's really well done. Very well done. Damn, vouched for hard. Yeah, man, you just make me want to see it even more now. Damn it, I've been wanting to see this for a long time. I had I had heard about it and I couldn't find it. It's not streaming anywhere or anything. So I bought nope. the DVD, which is totally worth it. The DVD, it's it's excellent. It's not on Blu-ray for some reason, and that, mm. that kind of bums me out. But it's definitely worth picking up on DVD. Anyone else seen it? Nope. No, but I want to now. Yeah. Man. One of these days. It is on oh, Showtime subscription. Yeah, that's not going to help. <laughs> so, um, yeah, anyway. Cool. What do you guys think? Like, Let me ask this question. When talking about Bigfoot films, one that always comes up, and, we're not, we're not, and this isn't horror, of course, but one that I think like shook the foundation of the whole Bigfoot thing was Harry and the Hendersons. Oh, for that's, sure. Oh, that's yeah. the movie I was going to talk about. Well, I don't think that I don't <laughs> think of. that the subgenre ever really, and I'm not saying it in a negative connotation. I don't think it ever really recovered from that until recently. I think it's films like Exists and that and Willow Creek that are that are pushing this back into the realm of a fright film. Because yeah. Harry and the Hendersons was so huge. Mm-hmm. That movie was, when it came out, my God, man, it was like E.T. And and yeah. it, it made these, these things so family-friendly and silly that I think it was hard for anyone to make one that didn't. And even now, they look at like the Jack Links commercials that, mm-hmm. that Bigfoot looks like. Yeah. Kevin Tenney made that kid's picture. Uh, yep. What was it just called, Bigfoot? That, that looked exactly yeah. like... Yeah, it's shaped the look of Bigfoot. The, the look of the Bigfoot in it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like what Return of the Living Dead did to our general perception of what zombies are and do. 
this yeah. that film did for Bigfoot. But you're if absolutely you, right. Yeah, yeah. What were you what, what were you going to say about it, John? Like, what is is this a favorite of yours? Well, I mean, it's yeah, it's a movie that I've always liked. Yeah, it's not horror, but I mean, there are parts where uh, Harry is very intimidating before oh, the yeah. family gets to know him. <laughs> but it, you can also look at this movie in a way as, I guess, a gateway movie. Like, some kid might, you know, grow up liking that and, you know, hear about a few horror movies with, you know, a Bigfoot or whatever and might, you know, want to go find him. That wasn't me, but <laughs> I really like Harry and the Hendersons. You're not wrong, because, I mean, it's a good at its core, it's still, it's, it's, it's not a horror movie, but it's a monster movie. Yeah. Yeah. Bigfoot is a quote-unquote monster, and so it would be a good gateway film just like something like mad monster party would be a good gateway Mm -hmm. because it's not it's not horror it just it has it just happens to have like creatures in it so i don't remember if i saw harry and the hendersons in the theater but i know i saw it you know pretty close to right when it came out on video because i know i saw it when i was very young and it scared the shit out of me then so i mean (laughs) that, that was definitely part of my uh you know, early getting into monster movies. And then yeah. they made the TV show. There was a TV there show? Was a there TV was a TV show? show. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. You don't remember that? No. I think I vaguely remember that. And it's basically that. just them trying to, you know, hide him from the general public. Oh, so it's like, Alf. Yeah, like Alf or uh, <laughs> if anybody remembers Small Wonder. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I remember Small so Wonder. So it's just one girl. of those like late 80s, early 90s shows where, oh, we have oh, this yeah. thing that we've got to hide from everybody because they wouldn't understand or, you know, whatever. Mostly hiding it from the audience because the costume doesn't look as good <laughs> on low-budget television as it does yeah. a big-budget movie. <laughs> so, yeah, Bruce Davison, I'm looking at it right now. They were, it lasted three seasons, started in 1991. Three seasons? And it had Bruce Davison in it, That's Molly right. Cheek. Um, and Bruce looks like he directed some of the episodes. That's crazy. I don't. I don't know how I didn't remember this thing. I've. Ol- I only yeah. remember like a handful of episodes and really nothing specific. <clears throat> but I mean, I. I do remember watching that show here and there way back in the day. That must wow. have been on cable, wasn't it? Because I. I don't know what it was on. Because I, I grew up on a farm with you know CB, CBS, ABC. And NBC yeah. and public television, and that's it. Honestly, so I, it could have been one of those. Yeah. Was it on like the USA Network or something? I mean, it could yeah. have been something like that. That could have been, I, yeah. Because if it was on one of the major networks, I yeah, would have been all over USA. that as a kid. Was it USA? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, good call. Yeah. Crazy. That entry, that that entry comment. I mean, that really is so important in, in horror as as a whole. All these things lead. There's threads that web out from everything and i think that's part of what makes being a genre fan so fun is that you find something like this and you go digging and then you find something crazy like snow beast and you dive in on that and it just becomes like oh let me find the next one and there's and that's this subgenre isn't that big there aren't that many films that that are commonly available i thought until i got this book that's all about bigfoot films and television and i'm blown the hell away i mean it's almost like it's almost overwhelming it's called the Bigfoot Filmography from McFarland Press, and it's written by this guy David Coleman. I'm not kidding. It, it's, um, it's th- almost 340 pages, just full of TV shows and, and films. So this is much bigger than, than what we, you know, have access to directly. <laughs> it's crazy. 
excellent book though the, the bigfoot filmography i highly recommend that for anybody i think it came out not too long ago it's very very good that's been on my shopping list for, for a while yeah so i was hoping you'd bring up the book if not i was gonna uh, bring it up for you um I, uh, now how much have you really dug into that book i go through i love these movie collection books like Stephen thrower has one called yeah, nightmare too. usa which is fantastic and it's it's really just I don't read through page to page, but I love when I find a film and I go back and I and I love digging up all the information on it. And so I'll go in and I'll just read you know pieces here and there, dig something up or look for a certain director. Um, and it's it's very well written. What each one contains is a breakdown of the plot the basic plot there's some great almost all the photos in here are behind the scenes photos from this stuff so he doesn't just try to pull stills he actually went and got like from hollywood book and video or whatever and um got some great behind the scenes stuff but then it then he talks about its relevance to the subgenre as a whole what it does to the perception of sort of the character of the mythology which if that makes sense like there's a, a general mythology about these things in each film touches on that somehow or pulls from it so it's very well written he's a good he's a good writer and does he have like does he have like categories of subgenres within the genre of bigfoot films what i'm getting at is i want to i want to know more about the bigfoot bigfoot porn movies (laughs) i don't i no it's not broken down by that but there's an index in the back, Mike, so you can just let me see. Let me look up porn and see if there's anything noted there. I know there's the geek. Yep. <laughs> I was watching that just before we started recording, actually. <laughs> now, is oh, that just soft? Here. Yeah, there's two pages. No. It's not just soft. It is full on yep. triple. Okay. There, there is a, a soft version on the uh, Something Weird God Monster of Indian Flats DVD. But, oh no shit! I got that DVD. Oh my god! Yep. But uh, there, there's, there is a well. The full version is only like forty-five minutes long. But and even that looks like it's, you know, there are some jumps that looks like there's some stuff missing. Um, but I think something weird did. I think Frank Henenlotter did a, a, you know, an official release of it on DVD at some point with something weird. But it, it can be found in the dark bowers of the internet's domain. And then there was another movie, another Bigfoot porn movie out and around the same time as The Geek, wasn't there? Maybe. I'm trying to think. See, now uh, you're proving my introduction wrong because that's, well, that's the only <laughs> one I know of. <laughs> I, I, I thoroughly do not believe it's the only one that exists just because porn is so prolific. No, but Yeah, I know there's at least two that came from the 70s era. The Geek, or late 70s, early 80s, anyway. The Geek was one, but I I don't remember what the other one was. The Geek, I'm I'm looking at it, it's 1971 is when that came out. The Geek is that old? Yeah, and I I don't see a reference to any other one. It says 71 here. Maybe it was released in 73, I don't know. Because Mm. they spent two years on post-production effects. (laughs) It just... Well, there's. Well, if you want to get into your favorite filmmaker, Mike, that touches on the porn, Sex Squatch. That's yeah, and that's softcore, right? 
I don't really even know if it has sex in it. I think it's just like they show him like dry humping people in it. And I, I don't know. Oh, it's Chris Seaver, which it, for those out there who, if you really want to dig into the psyche of Insane Mike, just look up Chris Seaver and just buy all of his films. Just don't even worry about reading Whatever. about them. Just buy every single one of them. And then, and then then re-listen to all the episodes of this podcast and you'll finally get the, the frame of reference that Mike is coming from like that it's mindset. so mad right now. <laughs> and this guy has distribution on his films because they're so good. They're very well made. Oh and my God. They feature a lot of great actors and um, really innovative plots. So highly recommended Chris Seaver. Uh, and that recommendation is just via Mike. I'm helping him out by saying this right now. It's via him. <laughs> no <laughs> that's all I have to say no so in sex, sex Squatch does he rip teen ape's head off and skull fucks it because that would make me want to watch it I wish the, the, well Sex Squatch 2 just got announced it's teen ape versus Sex Squatch I sent you that picture that, yeah you did mm-hmm. that better that. be how the movie ends too teen ape finally dies and they throw away that horrible mask. Oh my god, it's so bad. Yes. So bad. So bad. Yeah, this is there's a porn version of I I can't imagine anything that doesn't have some kind of porn version of it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I was at Trancus, which is the parent company of the Halloween franchise, somebody released a porno called like Halloween, the the porno or something like that. Like, and the cover was they just blatantly stole the art from the original Halloween for the cover of this porno thing. So here I am online at work, getting paid to like search and track down these people who had made this movie, <laughs> and I'm like researching Halloween porn, and I just un I open this Pandora's box of <laughs> of bizarro <laughs> porn riffs, like the Texas Dildo mas- Massacre. Yeah, there's so much out there. It's crazy. Yeah, Rule 34, if if something exists, there is porn of it. I'm pretty yeah. sure. That's... I, hear, I hear somebody typing in their Google search bar right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. How do we go from Harry and Anderson's to porn? Oh, God. That's why you brought that Michael like Myers mask and you came to visit last weekend, John. Bet. Don't, don't forget the uh, wet dream on Elm Street. That's a <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> What's this show about? <laughs> Apparently, porn now. Oh, yeah, let's, do, let's do an episode on on horror porn parodies. There yeah, Justin, are a lot of them. Sure. Now, so. Hey guys, how's it going? Let's talk about <laughs> touching each other. <laughs> Actually, I think a few years ago, Rue Morgue did an issue where they had a big article about the horror porn parody thing, and that's no, it was pretty yeah, pretty interesting. <laughs> it's out there. I don't know why. I don't. It, I don't. Other than laughing at it, I'm not sure why anybody would buy any of that. But my ex girlfriend's roommates had uh, the Madams family. Which was <laughs> <laughs> so cousin Tit. <laughs> Cousin Tit. <laughs> just a chick in a, with long, long hair covering her face and you know her entire body except for her tits. Uh, Ron Jeremy was a the uncle. I don't remember. <laughs> Cousin Tit. Yeah, it it was bad. 
Wow. Like, why, why are there like 10 people sitting around this house watching this movie right now? This is weird. Yeah. I used to have a copy of Edward Penis Hands. <laughs> I've seen Edward Penis Hands, yeah. And then you wore it out. Oh, yeah. Wore himself out. And then he saw Jason Goes to Hell. Oh, and then yeah, and, and then it was on, and, and that's actually how the flashlight was invented. I'm not sure if you guys are aware of that. What Mike used to do <laughs> is he would take a flashlight, like just dump the batteries out of it, and he would tape Jason Goes to Hell, the DVD, on top of it. And he, 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 he bored the hole out a little bit so he could fit in it better. And then he just he poured, like, gravy inside of it and put it in the microwave for a minute to warm it up. And then he would just go to ripping on this thing. And it, it, it's really embarrassing, especially when you're traveling with him. And you go to a gas station, he walks out, he's got gravy all over his pants, and he refuses to clean himself up. It's really disgusting. And then he cuddles with that DVD when he goes to bed at night. Wait a minute. Which kind of gravy? Ham gravy? I don't know. I'm not a gravy aficionado. Let's say ham gravy. Because that's a thing. That's a thing now. Roast beef gravy. Uh, isn't Thanksgiving <laughs> awkward enough without me having to think about that? <laughs> <laughs> Mike, Mike's crotch gravy, yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so Bigfoot movies. Uh, yes, please. Well, now he wants to talk about Bigfoot movies. <laughs> <laughs> who, who has who has not brought up a title yet? I don't even know where we are. <laughs> <clears throat> We started talking about porn, and my mind went elsewhere. So, yeah. Terry, you started this, then, and then we we talked about Willow Creek exists and Harry and the Hendersons. I'm pretty sure that's it. What else did anybody watch? Night of the Demon. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch that one either. Yeah, consider yourself lucky. (laughs) I don't know. I I kind of like the movie, and I kind of hate it. I watched some clips from YouTube, it's... and I was enjoying what I saw. I wish I could just have seen the whole movie. And compared to the majority of the Bigfoot movies that I've seen, um, Night of the Demon is is freaking Citizen Kane. So I mean, Brian Brian's the expert on this one, but yeah, he he loaned it to me basically, and uh, it's it looks like it was made for what like a dollar. It's like it's just. <laughs> You have not seen Shriek of the Mutilated, then. This is have true, you? but uh, but this one has uh, a dick ripping scene, so you know that's classy, right? I know. Those are always fun, and I didn't get to see it. And there's some, uh, there's Bigfoot rape that happens in this. Yeah. Wait, wait, Bigfoot raping or getting raped? Getting. No. <laughs> Getting it all. Bigfoot. That's a whole other movie. Oh, okay. He's raping some girl in it. It's a little disturbing. It's, there's but a lot it's of also uh, very cheesy. So yeah, there's a lot of uh, long lingering shots, like with the dick ripping scene. He, the guy, he was he was a motorcyclist and he like stops on the side of the road to take a leak. I, and then he gets his dick ripped off by the Bigfoot, and then he's like standing next to the motorcycle bleeding. All over the engine, and it's just like <laughs> focusing on the engine with this really fake, like Kool Aid looking oh, yeah. blood dripping all over the engine. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like I kind of kind of like this because it's really bad, but what the fuck? Like they're like, um, we got to make sure that people know that this was gory, so just 
bleed yeah, on the I motorcycle. Even, I couldn't even tell you like the actual plot of the movie. Like I just remember kind of bits and pieces. Because what is uh, it like? Aren't they just like they're on a yeah. trip and then they're telling stories around a campfire and then yeah. shit happens to them? Something okay. You explain it. Here we go. Night of the Demon, nineteen eighty, directed by James C. Wasson. Uh, <laughs> Professor Nugent, no relation, uh, leads, <laughs> who is teaching a class on cryptozoology, leads a group of his prized students into the woods along with a woman who claims to have, see, I think her brother was killed, her brother, some family member was killed by the yeah, creature in, in the opening scene. Because You actually see a, a woodsman. Um, or uh, no, a, a fisherman at the very beginning of the movie dies. Bigfoot rips his arm off. He falls down. His blood pumps out into an impression, like in a Bigfoot footprint, which the titles then spring up out of. And so she, uh, that, I believe that was her brother, father, uncle, somebody. Anyway, um, they go out into the woods looking for Bigfoot. And it's set up kind of like uh, Boggy Creek 2 and the legend continues where the movie is padded out by them telling stories around a campfire. So a lot of the kills are like flashback, you know, them telling the story and then you seeing what happens. So like there's a couple having sex in a van and, and Bigfoot's peeping on them through the window. And then he opens the back of the van and, and, you know, pulls the guy out and tears him to pieces and the woman's screaming in the back. And But um, she's not screaming, though. Can we stop well, no. for a second and talk about <laughs> her fucking reaction? Like, okay, first of all, it is one of the most prolonged fucking shots I've ever seen. And she's just sitting there and it's not even, she doesn't even look scared. Like, she's just like, I don't even, I don't even know how to describe the sound that she's making. And it was, oh my God. Yeah. It is so bad. Uh, anyway, sorry. Oh, no, <laughs> that was already a better I, scream than anything she did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this movie. It's yeah, you're right, Brian. You, it, it's like you kind of hate yourself for watching it, but then you get done, and you're like, well, yeah, you, it's I kind of like it. Yeah, I'll, I'll get to my strange relationship with this movie in a minute. Not that kind of strange relationship, Justin. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> or Jason, or whoever, whoever first thought, oh, he, anyway. That was Mike. Okay. <laughs> well, you're the one doing the porn voice, so. Um, <laughs> anyway, they, they go out the list. <laughs> they go out. They go out into the woods to search for Bigfoot. They they hear the story about this woman named Crazy Wanda who lives in this cabin out in the woods. And uh, so they go, they find her cabin, they meet her, and they come to find that uh, her her father was a religious zealot. And um, one day she got raped by Bigfoot, and uh, he, you know, in, in true religious right-wing zealot fashion, forced her to carry it to term. Yeah. Uh, and then she gave birth to a monstrosity that he then, you know, it... it was a freak it died he buried it in their backyard and then she went crazy from postpartum depression and burned him alive when she locked him in one of their sheds and and burned it down and and killed her father because she because he murdered her baby and uh then there's some business with a, a a devil cult out in the woods that they encounter that worship the bigfoot and then you know try to sacrifice people to it 
and uh, it's just it's it's an utter piece of shit. And then of course Bigfoot <laughs> tracks them to Crazy Wanda's cabin at the end and kills everyone but Professor Nugent, who is in traction in a hospital relating all this stuff back to the police. And uh, the the end sort of it, we cut to a shot of the Bigfoot's POV vision because it has one of those classic monster POV visions where there's a, like a, some sort of blurry red effect on the camera that tells you you're seeing through Bigfoot's eyes. And it kind of suggests that it showed up in his hospital room to kill him, <laughs> to bump off the last witness <laughs> so it can keep its existence a secret. But yeah, we first rented this one on one of our movie nights back in high school. And I've seen it God, at least half a dozen times since then. And it's one of those movies where you watch it and you're thinking, God, this is terrible. I mean, it's it's sleazy and fun, kind of, but it's so cheap and shitty that it's hard to get a lot of enjoyment out of it. But then as soon as it's over, you start replaying scenes in your head and thinking, <laughs> that was kind of cool. Well, that was kind of cool, too. You know, maybe that movie's not so bad. And then, you know, weeks and months go by and you start talking yourself into liking this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then you watch it again and go, what the fuck am I doing? This movie's awful. <laughs> awesome. And then a week goes by and you start thinking about it. It's a vicious circle. So Terry, you loved it, right? <laughs> I mean, it was it was fun. Like I, I feel like if I wasn't watching it all alone, I would have enjoyed it more. Definitely more of a group movie, I think. But Yeah, it totally sounds like yeah. it. Yeah. It was all right. Just, oh, God, yeah. I'll need a break from that for a while before I revisit it, I think. But then you take that break, and then you'll start thinking, you know, I kind of like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> there are a couple of decent bits of gore in it. At one point, uh, I believe it's actually Professor Nugent, because he's wearing like a... a burn bandages over his face in the hospital. The creature grabs his head and pushes his face down onto the griddle and like the st- or the stovetop in in Wanda's cabin and burns it. And they I don't know what exactly the point of this effect was, but when he pulls back, there's all this stuff on his, you know, look, look super cheap burn makeup on his face, but he's wearing a pair of those plastic vampire dentures you get at Halloween. Oh, you get yeah. like 10 up for a dollar at Target kind of thing. <laughs> like, what was the... Why did that give him fangs? <laughs> Burned off his lips? I don't... That's just weird. <laughs> it make no sense. No. There's just so many movies, like... Within the Bigfoot genre, they're just so... So low budget and cheesy, much like Night of the Demon. Like, I watched The Capture of Bigfoot yesterday from 79. I love that. Yeah. Love it. I didn't think it was too bad. Um, I mean, yeah, I enjoyed it. And I was stoked as soon as uh, George Buck Flowers showed up. It's like his biggest role. That's it. it is. I, I don't think I've ever seen him as a more prominent character in, in that film. Even though he's so in like great. a billion movies. 
Yeah, I, I, I know. And I was like on the edge of my seat through the whole movie of like, oh, don't kill off George. Don't kill him off. Don't kill him off yet. Don't kill him off yet. Because, yeah, because uh, this was like his movie pretty much. Yeah. And it's the most Wisconsin movie ever made. <laughs> and it's just this perfect Wisconsin winter. Bill Rabane is a brilliant, brilliant man. I love that guy. And this this movie's I, oh, it's, I love it. That it's a staple throughout the winter. It's like it's just it's like my food every day is watching this kind of stuff. These wintry, snowy movies. I just love immersing myself in that. And this is one of the best. And, like I said, I watched fun. you. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's fun. That's all I had to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I said I just watched it yesterday, and I have already forgotten how it ends. I don't remember. It gets away. And Bigfoot Bigfoot in it is more of of a Yeti type. Because his fur is all white and Yeti. Looks looks more like Zsa Zsa Gabor in a <laughs> you know, fur giant fur coat more than a Sasquatch. But he's very fluffy in that movie. Very fluffy. What's your problem with fluff? He just wants to feel pretty. I didn't say it was bad. I love fuzzy stuff. That's got to be the hardest thing with all these Bigfoot movies is the suit, is the Bigfoot, the makeup. Yeah. It's such an important thing and feels like that's where a lot of the films fail is convincing you. Or it's like anybody gets a hold of a Bigfoot costume and they're making a Bigfoot movie, you know, no matter how shitty they're costume is because you're like i got a costume i'm doing this okay i have a question for the for the group then and a little off topic but not really so you have a movie where you have a practical giant a a practical monster a guy in a suit okay which do you find to be the shittier effect the fact that the jaw doesn't move or the fact that you could see the actor's real eyes um through the mask John not moving. What's that? I would John say, not moving? Yeah, I would say John not moving. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Because seeing yeah. the actors realize through the mask, if the suit is done well enough, if they, you know, if it's not just an obvious eye hole, if they can blend it well enough, that gives it more depth because you can see some of the performance. You can perform very well through your eyes if you're a good actor. Well, I agree with that, yeah. but I, I was meaning more in the vein of like, it's not blended well. Ah. Like you can obviously tell <laughs> that these are just eye holes. That's my comparison. Yeah, it's still tricky. the jaw. It, yeah. yeah, it kind of depends. Like if the jaw is fucking, like if the lips are open, so where you can see the teeth, that's like the worst when the teeth are just static the whole time. But you know, maybe if maybe if it was mouth closed, it wouldn't be quite so bad. But like this movie, abominable. Maybe we'll talk about that later. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's got like a wide grin the whole time. And... Oh, that movie's so good. He, You know, in Abominable, he looks like uh, Randy. What's the guitarist? Zach Wilde. He looks like a giant <laughs> Zach Wilde. If anybody knows who Zach Wilde is. Oh, yeah. He does. I was kind of... Yeah, that movie. Yeah. I love that movie. It's so good. Yeah. I did, too. I was watching that again um, a little bit last night, and then I clicked on... Um, the the making of and you know i don't remember the guy the director's name the guy who made it 
but it's total. He's a total horror movie fanboy. You're talking and, abominable. Yeah. That's and you could. I'm sorry. Oh no, go ahead. And you could tell when you watch the movie that this guy loves horror movies. I mean, between like all the all the blatant cameos from horror icons, and like. You watch the movie, and your first impression is like, okay, this is Rear Window with Bigfoot. And that's the first thing they say in the making of. It's like, this movie is Rear Window with Bigfoot. (laughs) The director is uh, Ryan Schifrin. He's actually the film composer Lalo Schifrin's son. Yeah, that's right, because I think he did the score Mm -hmm. in it. Yep. Yeah, and they interviewed him about it as well. I always thought that Bigfoot looked like Jack Elam. <laughs> yeah, I kind of... I like... Yeah, I thought it looked like some kind of fucking dwarf from, like, World of Warcraft or something. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> a little thing like human. Look of it. He's, like, yeah. almost kind of cross-eyed, too, or, like, bug-eyed. It's very... Yeah, the eyes go a little bit nuts throughout the film. Like, when they just... When he, like, when he's stuck on the tree, and he's reacting... Yeah. You know, being stuck back there, and his eyes are just going berserk in that shot. <laughs> it's cool, though. I like the setup, Mike. I like that it's that because you're watching this guy who's essentially helpless, and usually it's mm-hmm. people in the woods who are just unaware. It's a lot different when you're actually capable of communicating through some means with some people, and you're yeah. you're bearing witness to something horrible. That's that's a different kind of perspective. I think is pretty cool about it. Yeah, yeah, because he could have just, I mean, it 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 could have just turned into a, like a, a typical slasher, but with Bigfoot. Um, but it has that rear window, rear window angle to it that, uh, yeah, great movie. Love it. I like the look of Bigfoot in it. I, I think that costume is pretty sweet. Um you know the effect. The, it's gory as shit. It's got some great gore in it. Yeah, bites I that guy's that. face off. It's awesome. Yes, that's like the highlight of the whole. That's the that's the final moment where I'm like, "Yep, I love this movie." <laughs> Guy gets his whole face bitten off. It's so goofy though, because like Bigfoot like unhinges his jaw like some kind of anaconda or something. Yeah, Hello. yeah, it's awesome. Hello. Anything for practical yeah. effects, though. Like, I, I mean. It, a, a practical effect monster has to be just epically shitty for me to not like it. And that, I mean, yes, the jaw unhinging is kind of goofy, but it's such a cool design and it's very well executed. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I love that monster. That's that's one of my favorite Bigfoot suits, actually. Sweet, Jason. Did you ever get a chance to see it? Look, yeah. Okay, I didn't remember. Thought before know. you did. What's that? I saw it before you did. <laughs> oh yeah, I think it's yeah. So um. it makes him. This is the film that makes him essentially like a stalker. He's a slasher because yeah. he puts him in the house and he yeah. does. He just does all the stuff that like Jason Voorhees or Michael Myers would do, and that's kind of what I think a lot of people have been wanting out of these monster movies. They want more of that, less people just running around in the woods and more like. More monster action, more interaction with the with the creature in that way, and I think that's one of the great things about Abominable that really no other one of these movies that we're discussing does is that it puts it within the element of the people, 
and not where they're going in the woods to be attacked. He's coming wherever you are, and he will find you there. I think that's cool. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have, to, I have to say I didn't. I don't think I enjoyed Abominable as much as you guys, but what you're saying is definitely true. Like of the Bigfoot movies I have seen, you do see more Bigfoot in this than any other movie, and he is, you know, definitely like in the third act, very much like a, you know, a Jason Voorhees character where you know he gets you know cleaved in the back with an axe and he just keeps going you know he's like this invincible almost kind of supernatural being where you know he's almost unkillable until until the very end until he's not yeah until he's not (laughs) (laughs) i mean they really act (laughs) i mean so yeah i mentioned it oh sorry oh no go ahead yeah I had mentioned there's a lot of uh, horror icons in this movie. You got Jeffrey Combs, Lance Hendrickson, yeah, um, uh, Wallace, Jason talking about the Shepes. Yeah, and with Tiffany Shepes, um, interesting fact that they talked about in the making of is that she she had talked about how she was pregnant at the time of shooting it. You know, she had just found out she was pregnant like right before the right before she was to go and shoot the film. And like for her death scene, you know, she spoiler alert, she gets pulled out through that window what? and like snapped in half. <laughs> Son of a whatever. Bitch. <laughs> I said spoiler alert. So I can say whatever I want. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna t- totally do that now. Because <laughs> John had half a second to mute his mic before. He- <laughs> That's right. That's right. Anyway, so uh, they they told her they were had to put her in this like crazy harness to um, to pull her up. And and you know she was getting a little nervous about it, and the and the guy told her, "It's like, oh, it's perfectly safe. It's perfectly fine as long as you're not pregnant." <laughs> <laughs> she went and did it anyway, but I'm assuming everything turned out all right. Yeah, that was a pretty gnarly kill. Oh yeah. Yeah, I know we've talked about this movie a lot on this show over the years. Um, but it's so good. But it's just that good. Yeah. Well, I need to find it then. It's a must see. You've never seen it, John? Never seen it. I, I've i seen it used a couple times at a half price, and I'm always like, hey, I should buy that. It's got Tiffany Shepard in it. And then I forget. Right. Oh. And you move on. And I move on. Like I, you know, I'm like, hey, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. And then I walk away <laughs> with 10 other movies that I didn't need. Well, I've- well that's the. <laughs> I've got to thing about this time we hang out, John. Alrighty. Can we snuggle? Mm Mm-hmm. Sweet. That's the only way I'll let you watch my copy of it, actually. (laughs) I know what I'm doing. (laughs) That's that's the thing about this movie, though. It's so easy just to overlook it. Oh, that was the other interesting fact. Like the the fact that he got the talent behind this movie that he did when he made this is like unfreaking real. Um, I don't remember the guy's name. Maybe someone you guys can help me out. But the guy, the the world famous guy who does all the amazing posters for like Drew Struzan. Star, what's is that his yep. name? He did the poster for fucking Abominable too. That's why it looks so familiar. Mm-hmm. Like, just had that look. Yeah, there's a fantastic documentary about him called The Man Behind the Poster. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. I have yet to see it, but I've heard of that. Yeah. I mean, crazy, right? To get somebody of that caliber to do your poster, even. So, 
Anyway, yeah, check it out. Abominable rocks. Yeah, John. <laughs> okay. Good. Terry, have you seen it? You're quiet. Nope. Okay, Terry, you need to see it too. I know. <laughs> okay. All right, what else we got? Bigfoot movies. Eagle Walk. Eagle Walk. Eagle Walk. Eagle Walk. Tell us about it. Back, what year was that? 74. No. <laughs> no. Not when the world was blessed with your birth. The, is, is that the year you were born? Was it? 75, class. Yeah. Get it right. Happy birthday, man. Happy birthday. Thanks. Love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. So what year was the B-movie celebration when we saw this one? 12? 13? 10? Yes. Something. Here's we went to this show... The B movie celebration, Mike, Jason, and I, and we had a grand old time going to this thing. And the it, the year that we saw this movie, there was really nothing else going on at the festival. It was really actually pretty abysmal. And as a matter of fact, we left for a while to go to a car show. Yeah, we just wandered around. <laughs> there was nobody in the theater. In fact, it, what was great, the last day of the festival is like that Saturday. We were all just hanging out, and Mike and Jason had a copy of, I th- was it Collapse, or was it Legend Has It? Legend Has It played. Legend yeah. Has It. And he's like, do you want to, should we play that? And you're like, what? And the guy you drove that, all the way to fucking Indiana so you could play it? The guy who <laughs> runs a festival is just like, yeah, we'll just play it. So he, like, canceled whatever was supposed to be playing and, like, played the movie. And it was, like, the, the three of us in the theater and I think one other guy, like, in the corner sleeping or something. It was so surreal. But which was cool. I mean, we had so much fun at both those times when we went. It was so oh, incredible. Yeah. I missed the hell out of that festival. But the great, the gem this time would be seeing Eagle Walk. I think that was there was two. That, there was two gems for that Christine one. thing. Last episode. Well, that was that's up there too. But Grizzly. that was also the time. Was that Grizzly? Yep, the three of us saw Grizzly yeah, together. That's that right. Five millimeter mini print. That's right. Yeah, I mean, it was gorgeous. It was amazing. And Eagle Walk knocked our socks off. We walked out of there just like wowed by this. And I was so impressed with it. It's a short, by the way, and you can find it online. It's on YouTube. Just look up Eagle Walk, one word. It's from Rob Heimbaugh, who made Silk that I was in. And this is actually how I found Rob was through this film. So we got back Mm -hmm. from the festival. I got home and like priority, I tracked him down, you know, found him online and wrote to him. And then we ended up having a phone conversation and just became kindred spirits and have worked on other stuff together since then. But it's just such a beautifully constructed and shot film. I think the Bigfoot, which is a practical creature in this, there's no CG in this film. The the Bigfoot is great. And they show Mm -hmm. him not just in shadows and in the dark. They bring him out into the sun, like full on on the beach sun in that one scene. And the real majesty of the film, though, is how how Rob handles quiet little moments and turns them into art. How, and the the one that I always talk about is the scene where they've, these kids nighttime, these kids have come across this thing. I don't want to spoil too much, but they're in the woods and in the background, there's always people looking for them and you see these, and all these people have flashlights. So almost like lightning bugs flitting around in the trees in the background, here come these people down toward the kids with their flashlights. And it's just so beautifully shot. And I think that it's very effective too. This does, it does a little bit like or like um, what Abominable did in making him a bit of a slasher almost 
because because oh, yeah. he goes into like the shower. Remember, like the shower locker room area. That's a fucking horror movie. Yeah, it's a it's straight like up, a scene out of Friday Thirteen. <laughs> that's yeah. a no. That uh, Jason, you hit it right on the head, man. It is. <laughs> it's not Nature Gone Wild. It's a straight up horror movie, and it's scary. And Rob, I think it's it's like his masterwork. He did a beautiful job on this mm-hmm. thing. So freaking good. It's probably my it was favorite such a picture bomb. Because, like, we, I just, I remember, I don't think we saw the synopsis. We just were like, let's sit down and watch this. And we had no idea what to expect based on the title. Right. And we're just like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh, fuck. You know, we are just elbowing each other through the whole thing. Like, did you fucking mm-hmm. see that? And just, we were, like, getting all goosebumpy because we're like, oh, we know this is good. You know? Like, yeah. It was just a great moment. Mm-hmm. There's something awesome, like, going to a festival like that and just, you know, just finding these these treasures like that you know what i mean like these you uh, gotta sift through some shit sometimes oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but just uh it's it's amazing when there's something something in the rough that just really pops out and speaks to you like that that's the beauty of, of independent film festivals is yeah. that you're going you're not going for anything other than just being exposed to art there's no head, there's no top lining stars. There's no effects. There's no product lines tied to anything. It's just going because you love art. And when you're that open, you're gonna find so many amazing things. And that's why it's so hard. Like when you hear people say horror's dead, cinema's dead, filmmakers are out of ideas. That's absolute bullshit. If you're going to the theaters, you may be seeing a lot of recycling. That's not happening in the indie world. And people say, well, how do I get exposed to this stuff? How do I even find it? It's not out there. I'm like, no, it is. I will guarantee you that within 10 miles or wherever you live, 20 miles an hour, there's going to be a film festival at some point in the next year because they're everywhere now. And if anyone listening would like to really get into film and explore it, go through some uncharted territory, there's nothing more exciting and rewarding mm-hmm. than going to an independent film festival and investing and sitting and just taking it all in as much as you can. It's second to none. And that's how we discovered uh-huh. this. And that's amazing. When you dig something out of that, when you pull a film, hey, how about uh, uh, Cadaver Christmas? Same, yep. same thing. Exact same thing. Exact same thing. I, you guys went, and, and, I, and I know we've talked about this one before, you guys went to the, the, the festival, and I was late. I came a couple hours later, and you were raving about that film. And you're like, we have to go. And when it's playing again, we have to go. We have to go. And we And all three of us sat in the theater, and it was the exact same thing. This is Joe, who was uh, one of the original uh, guys in the show here, Joe Zerrell. And we were all just beside ourselves. And we walked in the lobby, and we were like fanboys. And here yep. is, it was Joe, I, th- I can't remember who else was there. I think Daniel might have been Dan in attendance. Have, I, thought, I think it was Dan, yeah. Yeah. Joe, Joe wasn't even there. It was just Dan, wasn't it? No, Joe was Joe there. Was he? We was were like- just goofed all over them oh man it, it was awesome it, so anyway there's gold in the hills literally in all this stuff <laughs> and that you know to, but this film to discover that and it makes the weekend and then in a bizarre but related twist as we're walking out during one of these breaks when we went outside and wandered around we walked by this truck it was like a painting company's truck and in the front windshield on the dash they had this yeti toy it was this stuffed you lost your shit i lost my shit over this thing because there there was no (laughs) such thing as like a cool 
uh, like Bigfoot toy. This what didn't exist. But I saw this thing and was like, what? And I took pictures. I still have the pictures on my phone of this thing. Ah, <laughs> oh, such a nerd. And so then I got home and I searched and searched and I finally found it. It was it was part of a G.I. Joe set, set called like The Search for the Yeti. And I got it for a song because I found like an open box thing on eBay for a few bucks. And I still have it sitting here. It's one of my favorite things. But it was just a very Bigfoot weekend. And out of it grew, if it wouldn't have been for that, Silk wouldn't have happened. Silk. And all this other stuff. So, yeah, man. Oh, you just never know where this is going to lead you, any of it. But Rob did a – back to Eagle Walk, he did a fantastic job with this picture. And especially with his running time, with his budget, it's – Stunning. It's above its means. Yeah. Oh, way, be, nice. way above, man. It feels like a big budget picture, and it shouldn't, but it does. Mm-hmm. And that's because of heart and eye, and just so good. And it's free. It's just out there for everybody. It's just free. Wonderful. Yep, definitely just find it on YouTube and check it out. It's it's worth everything that we've said. So I plan on watching it as soon as we're done here. <laughs> Good. Good deal. <clears throat> Any other Bigfoot movies spring to mind? Oh, yes. Okay. Well, <laughs> There's a million. Oh, yeah. You, got, you probably have a list. Oh, yeah. Well, I wouldn't be me if I didn't take this to Japan in some way. Nerd. Yep. <laughs> so, I... I'm uh, going to talk about a movie called Jujin Yuti, Yuki Otoko. I'm sure I butchered that pronunciation, and I'm sorry for any Japanese speakers listening. Hmm? Yeah. As I was just going to say, easy for you to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that translates fairly directly to Beast Human Snowman. <laughs> um, it was... <laughs> It, uh, it was directed by Ishiro Honda in 1955. He is the uh, man most famous for directing the original Godzilla and uh, mm-hmm. many other Godzilla movies after that, and being uh, which came out in 54, and he made this in 55, which is why he wasn't around for the first sequel. Anyway, um, it stars uh, Takarada Akira and Kochi Momoko, who are both the stars of, uh, of the original Godzilla, and the story. I, mean, I thought Raymond Burr was the star. <laughs> <sighs> Not in Japan. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> How long do you want this podcast to be? <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. Please. No, 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 no. I just meant like if you want me to launch into a diatribe about Godzilla movies, I will. But that's way. We're gonna off be here topic. till next Thursday. <laughs> an episode on Godzilla, guys. So it, it opens up with a group of students. Um, telling this story to a newspaper reporter how one of their friends disappeared on a, a skiing trip that they took over a New Year's vacation. Um, they, they went looking for him. They, they, were, they were trapped in a cabin uh, of one of their friends by a blizzard. And once the blizzard let up, they went out to look for their, their lost friend and found footprints and hair, some evidence to suggest he was killed by a monster of some kind. And they had the hair analyzed, and it belonged to no animal known to live in Japan. So they returned to the mountain the next spring, after the snow has all melted, with a zoologist to look for their friends and to try to find more evidence of the monster. Um, There's an animal broker named Oba, who happens to be staying at the hotel 
at the at the foot of the mountain that they're staying at, and he overhears them talking about this and thinks that he his he makes his living capturing wild animals and selling them to zoos and circuses and things. Um, and he overhears them talking about this monster and thinks, well, that will make me my fortune. I, I must follow these people. So he, uh, he and his lackeys track them up the mountain. And uh, Ijima, who is uh, Akira Takarada's character, he discovers Oba's plan and uh, gets caught sort of snooping around their camp and Oba's men beat him senseless and hang him from a cliff, not by the neck, like they don't, you know, execute hang him, but they tie the rope around his waist and just dangle him off this cliff for the vultures to eat, which is a, is a pretty nasty punishment. And the, the way they do this is the most weird looking process shot I've ever seen. This very strange mat effect. Um, the, the creature comes along and rescues him. It pulls him up and just sort of sets him on the ground, and he's got this look like, oh, this thing's going to kill me. And it just turns around and walks away. Um, a villager who lives on the mountain uh, named Chica discovers him and takes him back to their village to sort of nurse him back to health. And the the elder, the village elder, discovers him there and, and kicks her and him out, saying, you know, they've brought destruction to everyone. Um, Oba finds the, the uh, baby yeti, and uses it as bait to capture the the adult, and the baby is killed uh, trying to rescue its um, father, and uh, the creature just it snaps. It goes on a rampage of grief, and it destroys the the villagers. Uh, it destroys the village. It captures Machiko, who is the uh, Kochi Momoko character. Um, Chika sacrifices herself to rescue Machiko, and she and the creature fall into this pit of of like a pool of boiling sulfur water in the creature's lair. It's, you know, deep in a cave in this mountain. And the rest of the group discover their missing friend's effects, you know, some uh, clothing and some other stuff. And it includes a diary with entries talking about how the creature rescued him from the avalanche that buried him that last winter. And it tried to feed him and nurse him back to health, but he was too weak uh, to eat. And, you know, the entries just end and presumably he eventually succumbed to his injuries. And uh, so it, you know, that's uh, it was released in the states in 1958 as Half Human, in a very heavily edited version, uh, starring John Carradine, because that was, you know, kind of the thing at the time of, uh, of, uh, <clears throat> you know, Japanese films being released in America with with Caucasian actors to sort of dumb it down for the white audiences. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's a very very interesting movie and kind of in the same way of uh of exist with that sort of you get a very human vibe from the monster and talking about seeing the characters or the the actor's eyes through the suit earlier uh it's you can, you can see the actor playing the creature's eyes and he he delivers quite a performance uh through that you know just those two little eye holes in the mask Okay, I didn't know what you were talking about. Till you said half human. I've heard. I've I've heard of that. I didn't realize that that's what that was. That's cool. Yep. It was. Uh, it's pretty hard to get a hold of. Uh, even in Japan, it was suppressed there, uh, possibly voluntarily by the studio. There isn't a lot of official information about it, but there is. Uh, a, I don't want to say class because that's kind of what caused this whole problem in the first place but 
there are a group of Japanese called the Barakumin. Which, again, I'm sure I'm just ruining that pronunciation. But uh, the the villagers in the movie kind of bear some resemblance to the the stereotype of the Barakumin. Um, the it it sort of is like uh, you're familiar with the Untouchables in like an Indian caste in the caste system in India. Uh-huh, where like yeah. people who who like trash collectors, people who deal with the dead, things like that, are like a you know lower on the class scale. Um, in in the uh, Tokugawa era, ancient Japan, um, there was a similar caste system, and uh, there it, it it almost seems like people who belong to this group of uh, Barakuman, or it's not such a big deal anymore, but in the 50s it kind of was, that when this movie came out, they were extremely offended by what looked like a sort of racist representation of them. And this sort of like we would be offended by something in blackface in a movie today. Okay. And uh, and so the movie has kind of been brushed under the, the rug, even over in Japan, but... It's actually a little easier to get a hold of in America now because, you know, wider American audiences don't really care about that kind of thing. So, it's uh, it's, but it's as not as offensive as, here. What's that? As like the Japanese version or the half human version? Uh, neither one of them. Neither one of them have been released on anything. But I think Half Human came out on VHS. Uh, okay. A long time ago, but yeah, there, there's still no official digital version of them, but. Mm. But yeah, it's a very cool, atmospheric, you know, old black and white movie. The monster suit is actually is really really good. I I like it quite a bit. It's uh, for not having a lot of movement. You know, there's no animatronics in the head like there is in the one in uh, Abominable. But the, you know, the mouth at least can move, and you can see the actor's eyes. And and just through those few little bits of movement, you get quite a bit out of it. It looks like a DVD just came out in February of this year. Ooh, really? Of it, yeah. It's on Amazon. It's on. Uh, it might even be streaming on Amazon too if you're a Prime member. But I don't, I don't know about. The, I haven't read reviews, but I just looked it up as you were talking to see if there's any development on that front. It looks like one just came out. That's awesome. Yeah. I will be picking that up then. Justin, have you ever seen the movie? I haven't. No, but I've seen stills from it. And I've, I've I've long been curious about it. So it, it is under the half human title here. It is it says it's unrated, and it and it well, is in widescreen. So I don't know how mean, it, it's so old that it wouldn't matter if there is right. a rating on it or not. You know, it's not right. like there's a lot of gore in it. So yeah. But if it's under the half human title, it's probably the American cut. Mm-hmm. One of the reviews says no nudity, but you get a clear shot of a girl's butt crack getting out of the pool. <laughs> that I think suck. I'm just going to start reading these shitty Amazon reviews for every movie we talk about. I'm going to I'm going to find the best cut line <laughs> from one of them. That would be the one for this one. That doesn't sound like the same movie. It doesn't. No, I don't remember. It, it says this: the Jingra, the Bigfoot of the Outback, has haunted Australia's forests for centuries. Oh no, different movie. Now. Different movie. Oh, the this movie is I'm talking about. It's a Japanese movie from 1955. Oh, well, this camel toe is different. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I got for you. Okay. All right. Apologies for the diversion. No problem. (laughs) Oh, man. Stop me from rambling on like a big old nerd, so that's okay. 
Uh, I need to interrupt this this podcast for late-breaking news. Very sad. Joe Flyshaker, the 500-pound actor from the Troma movies, has died at the age of 62. I don't know why we... I don't know. As you say, late-breaking news, but like this comes out in a week or two. It's like, (laughs) even with killer news, it's like, yeah, we're excited about new Halloween today, but it's not even going to be on the internet when this comes out. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah, sorry. That sucks, Joe Fleischer. Troma's biggest action star. I'm surprised he lived that long, to be honest with you. I mean, it's cool that he was such a part of it. Have you, you know, what's interesting is watching those documentaries, Mike, and seeing him yeah. behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. Like the one, what was it? Um, which one is the one where he was so upset because he wanted to leave the whole time? All of them. Um... <laughs> Terror Firmer, I think. I, that's what I was thinking. Maybe terra firmer. Yeah. I know he had a lot of issues with uh, getting eaten by the escalator, getting blood in his eye, and stuff like that. And <laughs> it was terra firmer. I remember now because yeah, him just bitching and moaning about sitting around all day. What was your favorite yeah. fly shaker scene in trauma history? Yeah, I know which one it wasn't. I know what mine. Well, it's going to be the one that you're <laughs> talking about, Jason. I know which one mine wasn't either, but I'd probably have to. Pro- I'd probably say um, I would have to say if we're talking trauma movies, I'll probably go with Terra Firmer. Or, um, of course, I still think it's. I think it's hilarious that you played Jared from the subway commercials in Poltergeist. I just didn't like um, the whole bathroom scene. But I, I kind of that did make me laugh a little out loud. Oh, I that, thought that was hilarious. So horrible. But uh, I also like the fact that in a lot of the um, little behind the scenes, like little Lloyd Kaufman interviews, uh, he uh, Joe Fleischaker would play Michael Hertz. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> since, right. That's right. Since Michael Hertz would never be would refuse to ever be on camera, so they would make Joe Fleischaker play Michael. Yeah. Hertz. Anyway, what was your uh, favorite? Oh, it's that bathroom scene. It's horrible. It's a nightmare. It is the, one of the most vile things you could ever see. And they do the, they do that. So what's happening is he's in he's in the bathroom. He's just eating the, eating this tainted chicken in oh, Poultrygeist, and he sits in there and he, it it does, let me just say it doesn't shy away from anything or any angle, including from inside the toilet looking up. It's wrong. <laughs> yeah. On every level, like a, uh, like a, like they put like a little trauma label um, sensor bar over, over the actual anus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then he paints the walls. It is, oh, it's so bad. I completely forgot about that scene. <laughs> Thanks. For it is honest. It is probably the the most amusing thing in that film. You know why they did that though? They put the little sensor bars over the anus and the poop coming out of the anus. Why? His wife made him do it. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why? Um, uh, Lloyd's. Um, Lloyd's wife. Because and why? I don't know why she made him do it, but the, but she was like, you know, she's the uh, or she was. I don't know. If she still is the uh, the head of the. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, she's still yeah. is. I'm pretty sure. Is she still okay? And she just threatened to like not let him continue making the movie if that ended up in the movie. Jesus. Why did? 
Why do people have a problem with shit so much? I mean, we all do it. Everybody people are has afraid to... of it. But I don't want to watch it. Except girls. <laughs> right. Except... And like, I'm, and I'm sorry, you know, I've... fart noises is the very lowest common denominator of comedy. You love it. When used properly and not like for twenty minute for a twenty minute scene of a fat guy on a toilet. Okay, this is coming from the guy who bought his son a fart game and then that game is awesome. <laughs> As his son ignored it. Yeah, <laughs> like he got it for him. Really, oh is my what God. it was. Yeah, you're lucky. I put that away, or else I'd get it out right now and play it right here on the show. <laughs> <clears throat> Well, well, you know what? You know it's funny. There are very, there's there's really only one other face that you would say is the face of Trollman. Of course, that's, uh, I mean, the obvious. But I would say that Flyshaker is the only other sort of star within that universe face yeah. that's that's consistent throughout the history of of the company. It's pretty interesting that he would be that important to the brand. I guess you could say. Yeah. <clears throat> Yep, for sure. I'm trying to remember if he was even in if he was in Return to Nukem High or not. I don't think he was though. Weird. Yeah. Oh, uh, no, I don't think he was. Yeah. So that's interesting. So I wonder if him and Lloyd had a falling out, or maybe he's in part two. Who knows? He's in. Yeah, that could. It be. says rumored part two, so I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I'm excited to see that. Yeah, I thought I thought that was such a great return to form for those guys. Anyway, but we're not here to talk about trauma. Hey, here's here's a movie that I want to find out if any of you guys have actually seen this. The Hammer made a movie that is almost impossible to find. It was 1957 when it came out, and it's called The Abominable Snowman. And it's written by Nigel Neal, who did Quatermass and all this other fantastic stuff, and directed by Val Guest, also Quatermass. Like those two were just like partners in crime with their cinema. And I've read so much about this movie; it is so praised. And as I read through Bigfoot cinema books and articles, it's referenced a lot. The DVD has been long out of print, and I so I have yet to ever see it. Have any of you guys seen that movie? Yes. How is it? It's it's okay. Um, the the praise may be coming from a sense of longing because it's kind of hard to get a hold yeah, of. Yeah, right. Right. Um, it was <laughs> going back to this again. It was released on a double feature VHS with Godzilla versus Megalon back in the day, which is I love very that strange. movie too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. They they actually capture the Yeti bring him back to London and they wind up chasing him through the sewers of London. Um, Mm. You know, very moody, very, very atmospheric, you know, black and white, a lot of, a lot of shadows and stuff. Um, You'd never really get a look at the monster. It's, yeah, I mean, it's not a bad movie. It's, it's very slow and British, (laughs) but it's worth checking out. Ew. Yeah, I think that, that that happens with movies where they, when they're unavailable, they they do transit. They sort of fall into myth. Yeah, and that builds their status. And I think that 
Blu-ray, especially lately with this, we just these things have been raining down on us. All these movies that we never thought would see any kind of proper release, let alone HD. Yeah, I think it's in a way it's kind of changed all of that. This is one that I would love. This is one that I remember when I was working and doing stuff for Famous Monsters. I we used to get press stuff all the time from Hammer. Because this is in the wake of Woman in Black, which is what you know Hammer's first theatrical in a long time. Yeah, and that came out. There was like this wave of interest in Hammer. They announced a number of films that were going to be uh, restored and re-released, and then also remade. And that was one of them that they were going to do a contemporary version of while releasing this deluxe blue the HD and it never happened. And it's, yeah. uh, it's heartbreaking. So I would love to see it. Yeah, I would too. That would be fantastic. I know it must be, I don't know. I've seen it within the last say four or five years. So mm-hmm. it's got either it did have a DVD release at some point and I got it through the Netflix mailing service or, yeah. um, you know, maybe it's floating around the internet. I can't remember where I saw it recently, but you know, uh-huh. that VHS release I was talking about, you know, a friend of mine had that. And it was one of the, you know, you could get it at Kmart for $2 when we were kids. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Just took it for granted. Oh, here's another movie. And, you know, 25 years later, it's like, God, everyone, you know, praises this movie because no one's seen it in two and a half decades. But, right. But yeah, it's, it's a pretty good flick, but it's not, you know, it's not going to change your world. Right, got it. Cool. I would just like to say uh, also uh, thanks to uh, Will Laughlin from Brain Eater, whose whose research I totally uh, stole <laughs> when I was talking about half human, all that stuff about the Barakaman. Um, that that all came from a fantastic article he wrote on that movie years ago. Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love you. <laughs> It's just funny now because we used to do that to John, and now John has someone to do that. Yay! <laughs> I still cry at night, though. Oh. <laughs> so uh, now what? What else? Yeah, Brian, you got more movies. <laughs> How about War of the Gargantuas? Anyone seen that one? Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> That wasn't in your porn yeah, voice. Oh boy! <laughs> oh, creeped out. Creeped out, aroused. You know, whatever. It's been a while since I've seen that. Another Ishiro Honda movie, all starring Russ Tamblin, who may have been clinically dead when they shot it. Oh God! <laughs> um, you stay away from my Russ Tamblin. Okay, well, we're watching War of the Gargantuas next time you're here, and then you'll see what I mean. But uh, I don't like him because he was in Twin Peaks, but whatever. Oh, oh I didn't know that. Okay. Yep. No, th- this is two giant Bigfoots this time. Big feet. We never did decide on that plural, did we? Uh, duking it out in Tokyo. One of them fights a giant octopus at the beginning. It's fantastic. Well, of course, it's Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it's a Daikaiju movie, I'm all over it. Yep. But, but Russ Tamblin isn't dead, is he? No, no, no. I'm just uh, that <laughs> oh. was a joke. His performance is extremely oh. wooden because he was very, very stoned while they were shooting <laughs> <Okay>. the movie. <laughs> Say it ain't so. 
I was about to get really sad if he was dead, and I didn't oh. realize. It. No, this was shot <laughs> in 1966. Cool. I'm pretty sure he's uh, actually still alive, but yeah, yeah, he's still alive. He he yeah. does the Twin Peaks festival, I think, every once in a while. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's saying he's gonna be in the new Twin Peaks too. At that point, he was just on a different planet. <laughs> so was his character from Twin Peaks. <laughs> Twin Peaks. <laughs> Everything can, comes back to involves no big, no Bigfoot, but doesn't matter. Still the greatest <laughs> show of all time. Just where uh, Bigfoot supposedly lurks. <laughs> What do you guys think? Is Bigfoot real? Come on. <laughs> Give it up. What is it? It's one of those uh, things that I would love to think is real. But the arguments against are, you know, scientifically speaking, a, a, a viable breeding population of something similar to a Gigantopithecus uh, living in... The United States. I mean, yes, the Pacific Northwest is very big and very broad, and and you can't be exploring all of it all the time. But it just seems like someone would have come up with some real evidence by now if they were yeah. there. I agree. I was going to make a religion joke, but I'm like, ah, I better not. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say that that conversation kind of falls within that realm of how can you say something doesn't exist when you haven't seen it? True. <laughs> and oftentimes, it doesn't matter if it is. I'm, in my opinion, I think that the myth is greater than most things. So I love that this exists within the creative minds of the people who perpetuate its, you know, the, I guess you could say the mythology of, of these things and that they exist in entertainment and they exist in, even if they are modified photos, they essentially this creature has existed in art and on the lips of people forever. And I think that's fantastic. And throughout the world, this is yeah, not a culture North American thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I've made a I've made a lifetime of giving Flyboy shit um, for everything, but you know everyone knows he's he besides ghost hunting, he does Bigfoot hunting. Oh, yeah, and, I know that now. And it, yeah, he does for real, and and you know I give him shit about ghosts and stuff, and when I want to give him shit about looking for Bigfoot, and when I do get him to talk to me about it, knowing that I'm skeptical and am just gonna give him shit. Um, but the the thing that I love that he said that, and and this is why I'll never give him shit about it. But I mean, like, it's not that he was like, hey, I know. He didn't do that, but he, he just said that the, the the fun is in looking for him. You know, it's not that he's expecting to find him, and it's just it's about the myth. It's He has fun looking for Bigfoot, and I thought that was really, really cool, and yeah. that's why I won't give him shit about that. So. That's pretty logical. I mean, I'll still watch, you know, not so much the Sasquatch hunters and those dumb, you know, Stagehand throws a rock at the camera and everyone goes, oh, what's that? But shows like Monster Quest and Lost Tapes, like I love that stuff. Even though, you know, being a little more scientifically minded, I understand that a lot of this stuff probably isn't real, at least anymore. It's, you know, like you were talking about, Justin, it's great. The, the myth is is greater than the reality and it's still fun to to have, feel that spark of imagination in the back of your mind. And I mean, there was a time, 
you know, I, you still can't convince me I didn't see a hot egg out the back window <laughs> of my parents' house out on the farm when I was a kid one rainy night. Mm. It was really there. And no, it wasn't. But, you know, it, it's fun to believe. <laughs> I'm a junkie for those shows too, man. I have, I have the whole... Um, box set of in search of the leonard nimoy show did you ever see that i've been watching those on youtube yeah they're on youtube oh yes oh i have have every season including when they brought it back for two seasons with a different host and i have the arthur c clark show he had a a, like mysterious something or others was that and i have all the episodes of that one and then when i think if anybody wants to get into bigfoot stuff out there and dig into something that's fun historical there's a, a show called Mysterious Mo- Mysterious Monsters, and it's I think that's hosted by Peter Graves, and you okay. can find it on Amazon for pretty cheap. But it's a documentary. It's like two hours long, and it really explores Bigfoot around the world and in different cultures and the different creatures. And it doesn't just say like the gist of it is that he's real, but it has dissenting voices in it, so it's not just fluff. But anyway, that's a fun. Old, I can't get enough of those seventies, like yeah. <laughs> parent, you know, well, cryptozoology. Didn't, all that. didn't Dan Aykroyd like at least sort of host a show, probably late nineties, like a paranormal show? Yeah, I think it was syndicated. What was that called? Sci Factor. Really? Yeah, Sci Factor. Yeah, that, I fucking love that show. I only saw <laughs> like a handful no else, of episodes. Yeah, no one else talks about it. It's. Like, I didn't even think of it until na- like until we started talking about this. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. It was basically like the Canadian X-Files, but kind of, I mean, yeah, it was like that, but then it also kind of had like this sort of Twilight Zone kind of wraparound. Dan Aykroyd is like the Rod Serling, and it's like, it was so good. I kind of want to hunt episodes of that down. They had, I can't remember if they did like an actual Bigfoot episode, but they had one where it was like some sort of chimera like some sort of product of bioengineering and it was like some half crocodile half human kind of thing huh and like so he's the host yeah he was like the host yeah and it was like supposedly based on like true accounts yeah it's called PSI yeah 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 like it follows the uh, the Office of Scientific Investigation and Research, which is like some sort of. I think they're like government. They're not quite government, but like they're like government contracted, some sort of weird group. Anyway, it's basically X Files, but <laughs> but with the, yeah, with Dan Aykroyd like hosting, like it's yeah. weird. It was cool because like the first season was. They had like, they'd have like two 15 minute episodes and they were like very much procedural. And then they kind of branched off into, you know, it was like they had more of their own narrative and, you know, they would have like a, an arc every season. And it had like, it has 88, 88 episodes, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and, and yeah, he was the producer of it as well. I had never heard of this. This I'm so glad that I wasn't making this up in my head. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they have a lot of them on on, uh, on YouTube. Oh, nice! Not all of them, but uh, 
And then Matt, right. Fru- Matt Frewer was in the later seasons. He was like oh, the, yeah. the case manager. Max Headroom. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, who is that? Who is that? Oh, yeah, him. Yeah. Love that show. Honey, I Shrunk yeah. the Kids. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. A, a lot of the episodes. It's very underrated. Yeah, I don't think it's had like a proper... Release I think on in, DVD. I think in Canada maybe because like if you look it up on IMDb, the the picture looks like it'd be a DVD case with their you know like logo for yeah. I think there was like a whatever. I think there was like a German release or something too. But good thing I have a all region Blu-ray player because I know what I'm gonna buy. Yeah, <laughs> assuming it's you know reasonably priced. Right. But yeah, man. I used to. I used to like race home every day to catch that on TNT at three o'clock. That's right. It was on TNT. I was so glad that Sam knew what I was talking about. <laughs> it is out on DVD. They have the individual seasons, and you can buy the whole set. Um, it's on Amazon. It's like sixty-five bucks for all. Well, I know what I'm going to buy after I buy Family Ties on on DVD. <laughs> Are you guys Super laughing? Cool. I'm being serious. I love Family Ties. Anyway. There was a, a really good documentary on Netflix. Uh, it was either Shadow of Sasquatch or Shadow of Bigfoot. I don't remember. What, uh, something like that, anyway. It might still be on there. Um, it wasn't a very long thing. It wasn't quite a full 90-minute feature length. It was more like an hour, hour and ten. But it was uh, kind of like Justin was talking about how it it's not just a bunch of you know, hillbillies going, I saw Bigfoot in my backyard, kind of, you know, it, it has, it, it presents arguments for Bigfoot existing in a very reasonable way, which, you know, a lot of them, you just think they're a bunch of goofy yokels mm-hmm. and stuff, but this one, you know, the people saying, no, here's why Bigfoot might actually exist, and they sound, you know, calm and reasonable, and, and there are some, you know, dissenting voices in there too, but it's it's really, really good. And it's fairly, I think it came out in 2014 or something like that. So. Cool. Yeah I, yeah, I don't think Bigfoot exists now, but it seems pretty obvious that, you know, more or less something like that existed at one time. I mean, you have Gigantopithecus and these sort of creatures, you know. Neanderthals and stuff. It seems pretty obvious that surely at some point something like that existed. Yeah, well, and I, I think that's yeah. I think it's probably just you know that's why it exists in so many cultures. It's probably just some kind of holdover from an earlier age. Yeah, well, there there was a, a species called Gigantopithecus. I, I wasn't right. just making up words, and I said that. Yeah, um, yeah. That. Uh, you know, evidence suggests it may have been around up to even like a hundred thousand years ago, which you know is pretty far back in human history. But we were still <laughs> humans enough to have been passing on stories at that point. Um, and mostly, they they lived in Asia in bamboo forests, but they were almost ten feet tall. Uh, you know, picture an orangutan that you know as tall as a as a story of a house, and that's going to stick in your memory. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine what they must have like ate. Like, like how much? 
hopefully just the bamboo, <laughs> but I'm sure they ate whatever the hell they wanted to. Yeah. But like most apes, probably mostly fruit and stuff. Vegetation. Pizza? I like pizza. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you guys remember the, the Bigfoot pizza from Pizza Hut? Back in the oh, yes. oh, It deserves yeah. to be on the show. <laughs> <laughs> All things Bigfoot. <clears throat> Gotta bring that back. Fuck awesome. yeah. So, yeah. Oh, Gigantopithecus, first discovered in 1935 by Ralph von Koenigswald. That's my new name. I'm changing my name to that. <laughs> and everybody has to say it, you know, the full name every time they see me. I gotta call you Ralph von Koenigswald now? Yeah. <laughs> Let's make this shit legal. So, <laughs> anyway, we should probably um, maybe start wrapping up the topic. Anybody got honorable mentions? Anything we didn't discuss? No. 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 All right, cool. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll do some sh- we'll do some segments here on Attack of the Killer Podcast. <laughs> what are we going to start with? Schmegments. Schmegments. <laughs> Schmeghead. Good evening. It's intermission time. Our service is friendly and quick. You'll find hot dogs, hamburgers, pizza, your favorite candies, hot and cold beverages, and other delicious snacks. So add to your fun of watching the movie. Visit our refreshment stand right now. We're glad to have you with us tonight. We hope you'll come to see us often. It's great to get out to the movies. Okay, and we're back. Um, So it's time for segments here on Tech of the Killer Podcast, and we're going to start off with shout-outs. It's time for shout-outs! 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 Hey, so shout-outs time. Ask what are your favorite Bigfoot horror movies? And we had a few on Facebook. Old Derek Batello says, this will be an all-beam show, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Lucky guess. Good guess. And there was really no movie comment. Okay. (laughs) And uh, Willis Wheeler says, Snow Beast. Nice. What? We didn't talk about Snow Beast. We did. Somebody. It was mentioned, yeah. Uh, I can't remember. And then. Lastly, on Facebook, Corey Ferguson says, Keeping up with the Kardashians. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best answer. I knew, I knew he, that's my buddy uh, from back in the day. I knew he'd have a good, uh, good comment. That good old Corey. I don't even know if he funny. listens, but if you do, hi. I'm assuming he's referring to Chloe Kardashian. <laughs> anyway. They're all kind of hairy and creepy. <laughs> Over over on the Twitter, uh, we had Quad City Hawkeye at Quad City Hawkeye <laughs> says Legend of Boggy Creek, even with the bad music. Yeah, and he spelled it Boggy instead of Boogie, like 
you did in your list, which I'm surprised nobody said anything. Oh. But you Legend. just did. No, I know. <laughs> I'm very aware that you said Boogie Creek. And I wish that was a movie, too. And uh, he also said time. Snow Beast 77 made me not want to ever ski as a kid. It was the falling down for me, really, that <laughs> kept me yeah. from skiing. But anyway, then uh, we had Sean Hutchins at Fat Punk 68. He says, Snow Beast was one I saw as a kid, terrified me, watched a few years ago, and it's not as good as I remembered, but had a few shocks. Thanks, Sean. And then Nolani Proctor at Nolani Proctor says, It's not a horror movie, but I do like the Futurama episode. Anybody cool. see that one? I don't, I don't have all Just cartoons memorized <laughs> like she does. <laughs> and then lastly on Twitter, um, meet Megan Rose Pischel <laughs> at Sweet. I can't see the rest of her name. Sweet. Anyway, she says Blair Witch Project and I don't I don't know if you can call it Sasquatch Horror, but Twilight, Team Jacob, Werewolves. Uh, <laughs> um, sure. So, all those things, huh? <laughs> and stuff. Hey, and that shout out. That shout out. <laughs> you too can call it anytime. 415-95-AOTKP. Leave a message. We'll play it on the show. That's right. Thank you, Jason. Word. Now let's go over to John with his segment, The Altar of Stalter. Hey, everybody. So I'm not going to review a movie this time. I'm going to talk about the brand new video game, Doom. Does anybody care? That's new. That's like one of the older videos. <laughs> okay, the reboot of Doom from like oh. a couple weeks ago. It came out May 13th. This is a reboot done right. It has the uh, old school feel of just constantly having to shoot your way out of a situation, but with a modern look. Um, of course, all your you know favorite weapons are back. The double barrel shotgun, which is always satisfying. The BFG, which decimates everything in your path. Um, the one new twist, though, is uh, they have what they call glory kills. So basically, you're shooting an imp or whatever enemy, and you'll stagger him, so he'll start flashing a like a blue or a, a yellow color. And you can go up, press a certain button, and depending on how you're looking at them, like if you're looking at their head, you might just grab their mouth and rip it open. I actually had a situation where I was jumping, hit the button, jumped on the enemy's shoulders, knocked him to the ground, and then smashed his face in. Mm. Nice. This game is ultra gory. I mean, it's it's like the doom that you imagined as a little kid. Like it is just constant violence. Um, there's not much for story because I mean it's it's doom. Who cares? I mean you're on you're on Mars. They let out you know demons. There's a portal to hell. Blah blah blah. Shoot everything you see. That's really what it comes down to. But the game, I played. I played it all the way till the end. Uh, I had to actually lower the difficulty level because apparently I'm a wuss. I mean, even on easy, <laughs> this was incredibly difficult. I mean, there were bosses that just would destroy you. But uh, 
yeah, I mean, I, I highly recommend this. If anybody has, you know, a PC, PS4, Xbox One, and they just want something fun where all they got to do is shoot everything in sight, this is the game to do it. I mean, it's it feels like old school Doom, but with a modern look. I mean, it's... I don't know what else I can say other than you just blow up a lot of shit. There's there's a few secrets. It does sound fun. There's a lot of secrets, too. I only found one of them uh, in this case, but you can actually find old rooms that look like old Doom levels, and then they unlock old Doom levels in the game. What? Nice. That's cool. Um, there is multiplayer. I played the multiplayer beta uh, a couple months ago, and it wasn't really that great. I mean, it was all right. I mean, you know, shoot shit with rockets. I think if you uh, get enough kills, you can power up and turn into a demon or something. I, I don't really remember. Uh, there's actually a map creator that I didn't really play around with. I'm mostly just stuck to the single player, but it really is satisfying shooting a demon in the face with a shotgun and watching his blood splatter everywhere. I mean, it's it's a lot of fun. Definitely not for little kids. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Unless I don't they're know my what... kids, and then they'd be fine with it. Well, yeah, go. So, yeah, your kid already <laughs> wants to come over and play my copy. But yeah, it's 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 a great game. I highly recommend it. I mean, I give it. Well, a friend of mine asked me, you know, what I gave it. You know, one one or one to ten, and I said eleven point five. It's nice. just it Ooh. it cranks everything up to eleven point five. It's awesome. <laughs> it's it's better than Spinal Tap. Whoa. <laughs> Not really, but yeah. So that's that's all I got for this week. Why, thank you, John. That was rather informative. <laughs> and now, it was. What are you laughing at? <laughs> and now, let's go over to Terry with her segment, Wicked Words with Wear Tear. Ow, ow, ow! going to do a little update in the world of books here real quick. Um, they still make them? That's the last time I interrupt. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Joe Hill just released a new book, which I have not had the pleasure of reading yet, but it's been getting really good reviews and it sounds awesome. Uh, it's called The Fireman. And it's kind of an interesting concept because it's a book about uh, this worldwide epidemic that's spreading across uh, the world. That was redundant. Um, But it's a little different because it's a pandemic of spontaneous combustion. And I think that's such a cool idea. Um, It's something to do with some sort of... uh, creature or spore or something like that that causes everyone to just start randomly bursting into flames sounds like a good book and i'm excited to check it out um and other uh joe hill news we uh i know i've i've talked about the lock and key um graphic novel series on the show before and how much i freaking loved it but unfortunately it hasn't really had any sort of 
TV presence. I know that there was a failed pilot a few years back. Well, they Joe Hill has announced that he is making a new pilot and they're going to try to get it picked up somewhere. And they're I think they're trying to go more for like the streaming services which are doing like full out series and just releasing them and going that route. So I think it has a much better shot of getting made and I could not be more excited. They better not tease me this time. Um, but yeah, just just a quick little update. Mostly a Joe Hill update, I guess. That's all I had news about. But <laughs> there you are. Cool. Sweet. Books. All right. You ain't heard nothing yeti. It's time for Insane's Picks! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Very awesome intro. Thank you. Okay, so... This... Okay, I, I obviously wanted to pick a, a movie that went with the theme of the episode, especially for this one, because there's just so many bizarre, slash low-budget, slash shitty, slash cheesy um, Bigfoot movies out there. There's probably more bad and off-the-wall movies than there are good. And so I really struggled trying to figure out which movie I was going to land on, so it's kind of a cop-out. Uh, pick for this episode uh, but it's got to be one of my all-time favorite Bigfoot movies even though it's really not a Bigfoot movie and that is 1972's Horror Express oh yes yeah god I love this movie it is just so off the walls you know crazy um, just the premise alone uh, a, a British um, anthropologist discovers a frozen prehistoric creature and transports it to Europe by train. But as the creature thaws out, we learn that there's something going on, more going on with this Bigfoot-like creature than meets the eye. <laughs> Those who've seen the movie get that really bad joke. Okay. <laughs> hasn't Mike? Hasn't this been an insane pick before? I feel like it has been. Doesn't matter. No, it's still I awesome. no, never, never. Um, no, I know we talk. Pick every episode. It's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just know we've talked about this movie a lot during the Christopher Lee episode. Ah, uh, okay. Because this movie has Christopher Lee in it, <laughs> and Peter Cushing, and also Telly Savalas. Yay, Telly! Yeah, yeah. So it's it's. It's crazy and bizarre because, like, you think it's enough for to have a movie about Bigfoot on a train, right? But it turns out there's some alien creature that has possessed Bigfoot, and it trans transfers from people to people through their eyes. If you look deeply into Bigfoot's eyes, now all of a sudden you're possessed by this alien creature that crash-landed on Earth and got frozen in ice after possessing Bigfoot. So kind of so. like the thing. Kind of like What's, the thing. Isn't this actually supposed to be like a pseudo remake of the 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 original the thing? Because I'm forgetting the full title. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring it up. It's not necessarily a pseudo remake. But it's just another 
um, adaptation of the original story, Who Goes There? That's right. By John Campbell Jr. That's what I was thinking. Um, yeah, so, which was done first with uh, Thing from Another World and now with Horror Express. And then, you know, has been, you know, um, done over and over again. So, but uh, <clears throat> I think the Bigfoot creature looks, it, it's one of my favorite Bigfoot looks um, with those red eyes and the gnarly fangs and everything. You know, it's it's... If you stare at it too long, yes, it's a little hokey, but it has a really creepy presence to it that I really enjoy. Um, and it, the movie just completely goes off the rails, <laughs> train joke, um, as the movie goes on. So uh, it's a movie that is bit, that should not be too hard to find because it ended up in public domain hell for the longest of time. Um, probably still a public domain Blu-ray. title as far as I know. But yep, there is a Blu-ray. Yep, Severin yes. put it out on Blu-ray. It oh, looks nice! Great. I'll need to get way that better for than sure. it should. <laughs> but no, it, it pick it up. I mean, they'll probably have somebody will have it at Crypticon. Yeah. Oh yeah, I should totally get it. I only need it because I yeah I love this movie. So anyway, so that's my Insane's pick for this episode, 1972's Horror Express. Glad to know you guys uh, approve of this one. Oh yeah. And you can put that super hypnotic theme song on loop on that Blu-ray and just listen to it over and over again. Oh, yeah. That was another thing that really captured my attention of this movie was was the score, for sure. And it's it's so weird because it starts... It's not a Hammer film, but it really has a Hammer film vibe to it. I mean, it's 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 a it's a period piece, too. It's like, supposed to take place at the turn of the century and all that. Um, so it kind of has, for me, a kind of a Hammer vibe. Up until like we get introduced to the Sasquatch, so. But even that mm. has you know we were talking earlier about uh, facial mobility and stuff and monster suits and mm-hmm. this one kind of has an excuse to be sort of static because it's a mummy, it's a frozen mummy. Yeah. So you know all its its joints and cartilage and things are you know partially fossilized and so it's not going to be a very expressive creature. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's basically dead. It's just. Possessed by this alien that can trans- transfer from body to body. All right, cool. So that's that. That concludes this episode of Attack of the Killer podcast, talking about Bigfoot movies. Woo! Woo! Anybody have any final words of wisdom before we sign off? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> If you find yourself alone in the woods and you're face to face with an angry man-eating Bigfoot, make sure you still have good phone reception so you can still download the next episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Stay hairy, everybody. Goodbye. Oh no, could this be the end of? Attack of the Killer!